This is Dr. Aaron Kuzel, and this is the Louisville Pre-Hospital Care Podcast. Hello again, this is Dr. Aaron Kuzel with the Louisville Pre-Hospital Care Podcast. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. I'm joined here with Caitlin Krish, who is a paramedic for Jefferson Town Fire and EMS. Thank you for coming and uh, spending the time with us. Thank you for having me. And- doing this. So Caitlin, we're going to talk today about something that I know gets under your skin, uh, and that is going to be radio call-ins by EMS. Yeah. This is the reason why we called it headlines and uh, call-ins, is because we want to focus a little bit about what the headline means. And what do do I mean by headline? It's giving us something in the report that gives us an idea of what's coming in before you start spattering off all of the other information so that we are in the correct mindset. You've been working both at Jefferson Town Fire and EMS, and you used to work with us as a tech at uh, University Hospital. You've heard both sides. You've been on both sides. What examples can you conjure? Um, So some examples that come to mind would be you get all this different patient information, and then you find out they have a critical wound at the very end or you get all this patient information and you're preparing things and you're starting to get things ready and then find out it's just a cease resuscitative effort or you don't know what they're going on and on about because they're telling you what they had for breakfast the other day or how they were altered a month ago and the same kind of thing happened you're just getting too much information we don't need we don't need that right now it's that's not the emergent part what is why you're bringing them in today is what we're looking for and I'm glad you brought that up because there's so many times where you're like calling patients coming in it's an 87 year old female that's in arrest and they go through all the stuff like we've had seven rounds of epi we've given uh ambio or whatever they've done they they've been doing cpr for 20 minutes and we'll see you in five minutes you're like oh i thought you were gonna cease efforts oh crap i don't know what i I, and i in my mind because you have all the distractions of the emergency department and you're like okay well get the room nine together yeah uh, because you thought they were ceasing efforts but ems was communicating that they were bringing a patient in right like so in our minds, when we're setting up in the emergency room, we're looking for, okay, it checks this box, it checks this box, it checks this box, we're going into room nine with it, or uh, it's been going on for you know a month, so they can probably weigh it out and triage, but you're not getting that information fast enough, you're not relaying it, you're telling a five-minute story rather than just, like you said, punching that headline and telling you it's a STEMI, it's a stroke, we need to get them into room nine, we need doctors and whatever else, trauma team, respiratory, something like that. One big thing that people, I feel like, don't communicate a lot is when they're intubated. You have this person coming in being bagged, and you're like, ah, where's respiratory? We didn't know that we need respiratory because that wasn't a punchline that they kind of gave you. There are some places, unlike U of L, where you have a doctor on the phone. Some places, and I, I won't name the name, but they always say door one, door two. They really aren't listening to you. They're looking for three major things, and mm-hmm. that's like the headline, what are the current vitals, what may be the chief complaint, and definitely when are you getting here. And so th- we, we think about these these encodes, and I think Fire Chronicles does a really good TikTok about that where it's like, oh, he goes off into Randy's like, patient's not dead, we'll see you in five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, exactly and, what they're kind of looking for there. <laughs> And, and, and that's what you want to avoid. You want to make sure that you're giving the information that they need. Now, the physician side, they're going to ask you a lot more questions because they're determining where that patient's going, whether they need to do emergent intervention, uh, whereas the nursing side is going to be more, where is this person's bed going to be? Is this going to be more of a critical care bed or is this going to go to the waiting room? Yeah. Uh, and that's really what the difference is on that. So you're going to give a little bit more to the physician, but to a nurse, you're probably just going to tell them what you got and whether the physician needs to be there at the time or can they go to the waiting room. Right, correct. So 
conjuring back your time at university and working in the ER with us, can you give us kind of an example, and it doesn't have to be a real example, it can be something you made up, but something that would drive you nuts or wouldn't give you the information that you needed to take care of a patient? Sure. So we can say, you know, I'm calling ahead. I've got a person that has some altered mental status. Nobody on scene can give me any information. He seems to just be acting weird. You know, he won't answer any of my questions right now. He's got a long medical history that they won't give me any information on. I've got his med list. Um, He's having a little bit of difficulty using his right hand. He wouldn't walk for us. He was last seen in the bathroom at some point this morning before his wife left for grocery shopping and all her errands today. Um, You know, I've got him here on the monitor. He's about 130 tacky. His blood pressure seems to be fine, 130 over 80. I don't know. He's got a blood sugar of 60. you have any other questions for me? I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Tell me what you're So, it, it, and that's exa- that is a very common call in that we will, we will get yeah. is that there's this, all this excess information that doesn't tell me anything. At this point, I don't know if this is stroke, is this ultramental status, is this a brain aneurysm, is this, you know, is this a UTI, is this sepsis, is this meningitis? The differential is so far out of the way that obviously I'm going to see him in room nine and I'm going to have to kind of piece it all together myself because really I don't have anything and I'm going to be asking you a lot of questions when you get here rather than saying something like, well, good thing that we had the blood sugar because that's going to be my first question is Mm -hmm. the patient is hypoglycemic. Also, you said that they're weak. So my first question on the radio, I'm going to be like, so what do you mean by weakness? So now you have to go repeat yourself rather than saying, hey, he's got weakness. He could be a possible stroke. There wasn't a headline. If you had told me alter metal status with a possible stroke, I already know. I don't need that extra information. I already know I'm going to see you in room nine, and I'm probably going to get them to a CAT scanner. Um, if they fell, that could be another piece of important information. But this whole back and forth of, well, I talked to Johnny's mom, and I talked to his wife. And the other thing I didn't know is, is there a last known normal, right? right. There's right. no last known normal. And that's your most important key information in a possible stroke situation. And the reason for that is because I'm going to need to know whether or not I need to go to thrombectomy in 24 hours or if I have to give TPA within the 4.5 hours. This doesn't tell me anything. And uh, and I will say you're not always going to get a last known normal. If it's unknown, that's okay. And that's okay to say that. But you at least need to address that in some type of report, especially when you call it talking about stroke is a last known normal. Correct. Yeah. And you, you definitely don't need all the other information. You can save that for when you get to the physician and see them face to face and you can give them the rest of that background detail like well he was mostly normal this morning at eight o'clock but couldn't confirm like it might have started last night um when he went to bed he was acting a little weird if you say unknown time you kind of cover that whole base of right. it could have been last night it could have been this morning it could have been only five minutes ago that this started but nobody has a definite time cover that and you don't need to tell a whole backstory and give another 30 seconds of information that you're not listening to (laughs) at least on the radio right right right. and this this is you can always clarify this when you're in the emergency department with the physician or the nursing staff the most important is whether this is within 24 hours or whether this is under four hours correct and that's that's the biggest point that i want to drive home when you're coming in what is that last one normal but let's go a little bit further about what the structure is of how we would want to hear this and how it make it easier. We talked a little bit about this before we started this recording. And so I want to present kind of a structure that I would like or other emergency physicians would appreciate. So number one, headline. So what is the patient's presentation? I'm coming in with a STEMI alert. I'm coming in with a trauma. I am coming in with a trauma that has a GSW to the chest because that's going to change things, right? right? And we'll talk a little bit about that further. But giving that headline, right? Everything in TikTok, right? 
if right. we look at TikTok yeah, world, yeah. it is. Uh, we're not financially covered by TikTok, <laughs> but and this is not an advertisement. But the TikToks, the Instagram reels, it's all like little sound bites, right? Yeah. You're 20 seconds or 15 seconds of some information to get the main point across, yeah. right? That's why like it's so get addictive. You, get your hashtag out there. That's <laughs> like, what do you want it to be? Exactly. That's what, I probably shouldn't say headlines because yeah. nobody would read the newspapers anymore. It should be like, hey, what's your hashtag? Uh, hashtag chest pain. Hashtag trauma alert. And that's exactly what we're looking for is that little bit of block of information. And that's exactly what's in your residence. You're going to be looking at uh, trying to get that one piece of information. And as we talk about, is this I'm needing medical control for a DC line or is this I have a cease efforts or is this I'm transporting a cardiac arrest patient to you and I do like that idea of like you want it to be a headline because when I was working here you would see docs on the radio but going back to their computer to finish up a discharge because there's all this excess information if you say hey I have a STEMI alert now they're focused on the radio they're actually sitting there listening to the entire thing instead of just being like and not ignoring what's coming through the radio but like distracted by other things if you have you know you headline with i got a gsw to the chest they're listening to see what their vitals are who they need for resources all these other things instead of just being like oh i got all this other information i can go finish up this discharge or put this prescription med in that the nurse needs to administer somewhere else while you're rambling on for four or five sentences about what the patient's family was like on scene or oh well they were normal then but not now and Stuff like that, like the excess information. It's kind of like that Leonardo (laughs) DiCaprio quote when he goes, you had my curiosity, now you have my attention. Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's what we want to hit. We want to grab your attention and we want to get you to listen to the rest of the report. So we give an accurate report. So we get them the help that they need right away or it's okay for triage. And so after the headline, now that you've got our attention, now give us what happened. And I would say about two to three sentences. Yeah, this is a uh, 79-year-old male who has a history of recent bypass at your hospital who is coming in with worsening chest pain and diaphoresis, right? Suddenly started now a tearing chest pain to his back. I already got everything I need to know about this guy. Yeah. I'm going to get the rest of the history. Yeah. I don't need to know his COPD, cabbage, when his cabbage was, who his surgeon was. He already told me he was done at Jewish or he was done at U of L. I already know that at my hospital that I'm going to have to look up the records. All per- important information. Uh, what happened, right? Yeah. And how did he look? And all, all of a sudden, all your all your differential diagnosis all of a sudden narrows down to four things instead of that broad report where you had ten different things that you were thinking of. You have it down to two or three probably. Now, could something else be added in there when you see them and there's a different symptom? Sure. Sure. But you kind of have it narrowed down and you know, if I hear these vital signs, we're going here. If we hear this, we're going here. Exactly. (laughs) No, I love that. Exactly. So now that you have the what happened, so the the two to three sentences, now I want to know interventions. What did you do? So you've got a COPD patient that looked in extremis or was an asthmatic. Uh, Okay, I gave them albuterol, gave them NEBS. I've got an IV established, started solumedrol. Now we know exactly what you did for that, what they look like, what happened, what you did, and then now we have to ask ourselves, number four, how do they look now? And yeah. that's the current vitals. Yes. And I think you can do a good, he's improving or she's improving, she's still sick, still not looking good, vitals are this, any, and then that is the point where you're going to be like, any other interventions to do? We look at, we've got the headline, what do we got, right? So just get down to the street terms, right? What do we got? What the hell happened? What did we do? And how they look like now? And then, okay, we're going to see you soon. Yeah. So the last one being your ETA. Right, yep. If there were three things 
that I would recommend that you give, what would be those three things? So probably I would say you definitely hit your headline and you would want to give your vitals and how far away you are. So your current set of vitals, not sometimes people give your vitals that were on scene or they were taken 10 minutes ago or stalling because I'm taking it now. Have your set of vitals, even if you have to write them down before you call in. Exactly. I, I think that's a great idea, especially when you're talking about that door one, door two hospital. Yeah. They are just looking, is is the patient not dead? What their vitals are? If they do, <laughs> The vitals are going to tell them a lot. If they're 80 systolic or, hey, you gave them, yeah, you can say you gave them the intervention. You gave them a uh, 500 bag of fluid, and now they went from 70 systolic to 100. But that still kind of shows that concern that that you're concerned about that patient's well-being, that right. you don't want to be just triage to the waiting room. Right. Uh, but, yeah, they really want to know what you got what their vitals are currently, how stable are they, and how far out are you. Because yeah. that's going to tell us how far. If you're 30 minutes out with a 70 systolic, we go, whoop, this is going to be bad. Or if you're right down the street with a 100 systolic, eh, we're, we're, we'll take a look at them and see yeah, what Yeah, we what might just come like. out to triage and, and just go from there. And just lay eyes on them. Yeah. So just to review, what we would like to see is a structure. And this is not by any scientific background. This is not evidence-based. This is just from experience and experience of other physicians. Number one, start with a headline. Number two, what happened? So the two to three sentences is the patient, like kind of the chief complaint. Did they have chest pain? Are they a COPD exacerbation? Interventions. So what did you do? Vitals. How do they look now? And then finally, how far out are you? Right. And exactly. I think that will really help kind of improve um, your giving a headline, your confidence in giving headlines. Because I, I know I was an EMT and calling university and talking directly to the doctor as a 19-year-old brand new EMT, I was pooping my pants. I had to change my pants out at every, every call, and especially yeah. when you're when The you're first scared. couple yeah. when you're like sweating when you're in the back own, and you're like, uh, 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 what, what am I doing? <laughs> I mean, even as an EMS fellow, I'm sure, you, I'm sure whenever you heard MD2 get on the radio, everyone flipped to Hospital One to hear what he got. <laughs> I know because I kept getting text messages. Um, <laughs> so I know that you all were listening and, and I was just as nervous because I wasn't worried about what the doctor was thinking. I was worried about what you all were listening to. <laughs> <laughs> and how much we were judging and you And how like much this. you were judging. Exactly. Because if, if you're telling me that when you're a new person, not everyone's flipping to Hospital One or if it's your friend and you hear them going for something good, you're not flipping to Hospital One, you're a liar. Yep. I know you're on, I know you're on there. Shift. I'm sure I, I'm, if only we could look at MetroSafe and just watch how many dials switch to Hospital One when, when it's like some when crew that you know when certain yeah. crew comes on that you know down yeah. now. What do they got this time? Yeah. Like, not again. What are they calling in for now? <laughs> so now that we've talked about how to give a headline and how to give a call in, let's go through a bad one, a, a, a bad example, and talk about like that gunshot wound example that you have. Talk about that example. Go through it and talk about how we can make this better and, and have that represented. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So this is uh, University 165. <laughs> What do you got for me? Um, okay, so we're about five minutes out. I'm coming to you with a 30-year-old male. He was walking down the street and struck by multiple gunshots. Uh, bystanders on scene reported they heard eight to ten gunshots. So far, I've found entrance wound, left lateral thigh. Looks like there's an exit at the left medial thigh and possibly enters again in the right medial thigh. There's another entrance wound to his right hand. There's an entrance wound to his left upper arm. There's an entrance wound to his right forearm, but no exits on those wounds. He has two gunshot wounds to his left upper flank. Patient's tachycardic, unresponsive. Um, working on getting a blood pressure for you now. We'll be there in three. You have any questions? I have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Once again. Um, no, I mean, th that's very common. Uh, that seems like a very common thing. And I, I always get frustrated in the sense that 
I'm trying to figure out where I'm doing what I'm doing with this guy. Obviously, I'm seeing him in room room nine. Yeah. I'm seeing him or her in room nine because I got gunshot wounds. I'm going to check everywhere, and it sounds like there's a lot of them. So there's probably something missed. But there's a key thing that wasn't mentioned till the very end. What is that? It was the flank. Right? Right. Is the GSW <laughs> the flank? Because that is a level one criteria. Yes. And so the level one criteria is anything uh, penetrating trauma to the chest, abdomen, flank, neck. That's all going to be something that I need to call the trauma team to come into. Yeah. And so you don't want to bring a patient in to the ER docs because it's just me and my attending by myself or by ourselves. And now we need the trauma team. Plus, if you activate level one, you get blood. So if you're trying to resuscitate this person, you're in Preston Muhammad Ali and you got about a two-minute transport. Well, it's like a minute transport. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and, and I don't have blood available. I can't really do much. Right. And I'm waiting another three minutes for the trauma team to bail out of the OR and come on down. Yep. Um, and then now they have to go get emergency blood. they got to walk to the blood bank, grab the blood. So now I don't have a way to resuscitate that person. Now yeah. I have a delay in resuscitation. Everything is kind of just at a standstill because we did not get the best information first and that was i mean this is not a real case this is just one that i made up but the point in it that i was trying to make was that we hid those gsws to the flank all the way at the end instead of leading with it and honestly us sitting here and we've already done this multiple times i i only remember the flank because we had talked about it before (laughs) i already stopped listening to you um several like i heard entrance exit and my mind has already gone to oh it sounds like the legs and then when they get here you're like what do you mean the flank wound right because you're going to listen for, like we said, it's headlines. It's about what is most important putting first. Yeah. What is at the top of the newspaper? Um, what is the hashtag, the first hashtag? <laughs> yeah. Because how many hashtags, if you have 50 hashtags on somewhere, how many of those hashtags are you going to read? You're going to read yeah. the first one and you're done, <laughs> yeah, right? This is, this, is, this is a trauma patient. This is not an influencer. But I, I think you, you put up a great point. Is, is We tend to just go in order, right? We, it's just like, which ones we've addressed first? Like a G, GSW that I got a tourniquet on on this one. It's like, I need to know which ones are most important. What's going to kill them faster? Yes, I want to know that they have a gunshot wound with a tourniquet on because yeah. I need to check the artery later. But what what tells me I need, and if it's pulseless leg, absolutely, because that is also a level one criteria. But what I don't need is the GSWs, the legs that are bleeding is controlled and I'm not so worried about it, or tourniquets on and I'm not so worried about it because it's not going to kill them in the transport time in Jefferson County anyway. Right. Um, but the GSW to the abdomen has a potential for a catastrophic death. And very quickly if we don't do something and have if the right teams at his bedside. We don't have the trauma team to help make a decision to go to the OR quickly to do an exploratory laparotomy where they cut him open and stop the bleeding, nor do we have the blood available at the bedside. And yep. that's the most important part of it. Yep. Um, another thing I think you brought up is that everyone going into exit entrance. First of all, we can't even, I'm not even allowed to Yeah, we don't to determine document, that. Yeah. To determine that. And I've heard <laughs> some people go, it looks like an entrance this way. And that's fine. Radio is never going to be really, or potentially never going to be used in court to determine. They're not going to really trust the paramedic. They're going to trust the forensic pathologist or the emergency physician. But even us emergency physicians are not recommended to determine an entrance and exit. I I may just sit there with you all when there's a stable patient and and kind of say, yeah, you can tell this is entrance because of an abrasion collar and stuff isn't learning, but I'm never going to document that in my notes. And so for me, that doesn't matter. What I need to know is how many GSWs and where they are. And more specifically, are they in the box? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that that's basically what I was trying to get at here. Because even working here, there was a lot of call-ins that were like that. And you're like, all right. And he, the tech starts to walk off to room nine to, you know, make sure there's a bed ready, have everything ready. And then all of a sudden you all are running in and saying, I need double-sided chest tubes set up because he's got a gunshot wound to his uh, chest. And it was 
it was buried in there and I happened to hear it this time. Or they come in you're like, you didn't tell us about the one on the chest because you got distracted. And, and <laughs> For doing whatever else because it's buried, it's buried in there. Yeah. It's not the headline. No, and I, I think your perspective is amazing because you're going to have to now go, oh, crap. And now you're running or sending another tech to run with a paper trying to find an attending physician to sign the, to release emergency blood because you can't get emergency blood unless you get that paper signed. They're mm-hmm. not going to give it to you. So now you got to find a doc. They're all scattered to the wind. Some of them <laughs> might be coming to the room to, to room nine, but you got to find them. Then you got to run down the hall, get that through the, the whoever the blood bank uh, crew is, grab the cooler and bring it back. And then you know, then you have to page a level one too. Plus, then you have to get bilateral chest tubes set up. Yep. So you have a very big role <laughs> as a tech in room nine, just trying to get all that accomplished in the two to three minutes that you have the heads up. Yeah. And if you don't know that you need to get working on that, um, it's a much easier. We'll put it this way: it's a much less stressful process when you're not doing it thirty seconds prior to arrival. <laughs> yeah. Or as they're walking in, be like, "Oh yeah, there's one to the chest there." You're like. Now there's so much more to be done. There's another team to be paged. There's this to be done. Right, and now you have to make a decision. What is the most important in your triage? Do you get the chest tube for the doc? Do you go to get the blood? Or do you page the level one to get your trauma team down there? Yep. So you're kind of stuck in trying to triage things that should have already been prepared. Correct. Yep. And that's kind of just what we were trying to get across on that. Stick around for part two of this episode where we talk about medical control. I'm joined again by Caitlin Grinch to talk about call-ins for medical control.